Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Stocks on the Rocks. This is your host Ashutosh Hasabnis and for today's episode we have a very special guest Mr. Viraj Nanda formerly of Deutsche Bank and the CEO and co-founder of Globalize. Globalize is your one step platform for cross border and global investments. Hi Viraj hope you're doing well to start off if you could just tell us more about globalize the services it offers and what was the idea behind starting the company as we started investing overseas and you know we'd always been investors in india throughout our uh, lives uh, you know believing in everything that's good about the indian investment story uh, young population high gdp growth etc um and uh, you know once we had some money overseas decided to understand how you know how we can invest overseas invest in the us and the uk etc and uh, you know what we saw was actually quite interesting because our us and uk returns was outperforming our indian returns okay and this you know went against the conventional belief that you know india has a higher higher gdp growth us lower gdp growth therefore indian stock returns will perform better okay and we realized that sort of our hypothesis that india will do better was uh, somewhat flawed for two reasons first is you know the companies based in the us are not only growing because they're in the us okay. you look at the the leaders the global leaders today your amazon google facebook these of course are growing in the us but they're also growing in india also growing in china expanding to new geographies and right. there's a lot of growth coming out of these places right Secondly, if you look at a lot of the innovation that's happening from a technological perspective and from a product perspective, the this it's happening in the U.S. and these companies are therefore listing in the U.S. Right. So, um, you know, so we we have companies like Infosys and uh, Make My Trip. So they they have a base in U.S. as well. That's right. So uh, you know, these companies have also chosen to list in the U.S. to access those capital markets. Right. I know there's a lot of discussion of other companies now um who are also planning to list in the US. Uh, you know you look at one of the largest Indian e-commerce retailers Flipkart. Right. If you want to own Flipkart, you know its parent company Walmart is listed in the US. Right. Yeah. So, you know to even access companies that we consume on a daily basis, right? You look at frankly any of the technological yeah. products that we use parent companies are listed in the US right right so you know to also become consumers of or oh, sorry investors in the products that we are consumers of access to the US markets is important to be able to participate in that growth right right so i get your point with regards to you know being being an investor of the product that you are consuming uh, but the point regarding that indian companies are you know looking to and we have companies like infosys who are listed mm-hmm. uh, in the us markets as well but uh, my counter question would be uh, if we have the foreign institutional investors and foreign portfolio investors uh, g- coming into india then what is different in you know these companies listing in us so at the end of the day the funds will flow in india as well for these companies so you mean a company like an infosys or a- yeah so uh, infosys will have the fii and fpi flows uh, then absolutely then what's the you know different use of uh, listing on the listing on the us markets so for these companies i think it's accessing a different pool of investors as well and okay. uh, you know the us market has different characteristics in terms of liquidity etc so while yeah. of course you know listing in the indian markets indian retail investors can invest in an infosys and you know foreign investors investing in india can yeah um, but you know for any investors outside of the indian ecosystem are being able to invest in these companies and you know like infosys is also an increasingly global company right, right. so um by having a listing on the us exchange it allows uh, people either retail investors in the us or institutions who have a us market focus by virtue of which geography uh, or which bourses they can invest in um, right. it opens them up to those opportunities right right okay so moving ahead i think uh, you started with globalize in the in the end of 2019 if i'm not wrong that's right so um i so that's when a, i just a, yeah just a follow up question on that uh, yeah. we were hit by the pandemic in march 2020 
and you right. started in around November December 2019 then what were the hurdles of uh, you know the pandemic because we know that for a business to you know grow the f- one w- the first one or two years are very crucial so what sort of hurdles did you uh, face so um, maybe i'll just walk you through a little bit of the timeline in terms of how we've actually started and then you know that will give some context to answer your question as well yeah. um so I basically quit my job at Deutsche Bank in late 2019. Um and then we actually spent the next few months just thinking through the product. So, you know, conceptualizing it from a product perspective, speaking with customers, speaking with partners, understanding what people are looking for and actually designing the the platform. Uh because you know, one of our key focuses is on maintaining a very simple user interface. Yeah. Yeah, um right. and you know keeping it very straightforward to, for people to use right. um so we actually spent the first few months making sure that that matched our vision and only okay. then did we start uh, you know getting into building the product right okay so uh, but you're right you know it's from from the time when i quit uh, deutsche bank and you know used to working in an office to yeah. the last 18 months or so yeah <laughs> um which has been entirely you know remote working um i think it's it has its challenges in terms of you know with with a small team being able to be in the same place to actually you know interact and meet with each other and sort of build that team culture in some sense right right um and of course you know in a, in the remote environment therefore you have to make a conscious effort to overcome those obstacles right so you know we we try having social coffee chats amongst the team and you know zoom and yeah. google google yeah. meets etc is very helpful that allows yeah. us to you know actually virtually engage much more than uh, one could in the prior years yeah right so you know from from a team interaction perspective that is uh, something that's there but you know to be honest from a business perspective we are entirely digital our platform was always designed to be uh, digital based okay. so um, the customer journey end to end is entirely online so okay. in that sense you yeah. know our business model hasn't been affected as such and actually you know during the pandemic it's it's been an interesting trend i think even in the indian domestic markets where yeah. you, you just look v- at the v shape recovery exactly so you know you look at the number of bmat accounts being opened the increased yeah. participation in uh, in the yeah. equity market right and um, you know the pandemic also i think in some sense has helped reinforce to some extent um, the necessity for geographic diversification right because right. coming out of this i think it's very clear that different economies are going to react in different ways and are going to recover at different paces yeah and um, you know in india you of course you sort of need to uh, you know uh, you sort of need to uh, diversify in a way that if one economy uh, gets hit by something the other will act as a shield or like an insurance policy you can say uh, that that will really reduce your risk on a whole portfolio level absolutely absolutely and that that's exactly the point of diversification right and we i think even investors in india we've always been thinking about diversification we invest across asset classes even if we're investing in equity we invest across sectors right with the the fundamental thesis yeah, yeah. to all of that is diversification right geographic diversification is equally important because you know there are country specific risks that can impact a portfolio right right um, which is important to protect yourself from got it got it okay uh, i i get that uh, it it is a digital platform and you because of and we know that the number of dmat accounts have uh, risen significantly in india uh, i think in around 2018 or 19 it was around 2 crore 3 crore and the latest report issued by uh, bsc it's around 7 crores so it has uh, increased multiple folds as well uh, but you know uh, so from an uh, awareness point of view uh, that we have many investors coming into the indian equity markets but uh, do you think they are ready to sort of uh, venture into us markets as well because 
it it is a new it is a different market it works differently from india and the timings are also different so sort of if you want to track it is a bit difficult for indian investors so from an awareness point of view and you know tracking your portfolio or being in touch with what's happening in the us uh, what's your take on it so i think I, you know completely i i agree with your point from an awareness perspective we are still in the very early stages if we think about global investing right and um, you know there is a level of comfort and understanding that uh, needs to be inculcated within us and you know that that needs to be attention needs to be paid and needs to become a part of regular conversation and you know your right. regular thinking right. as you start um investing right. i know that's actually one of the main reasons uh, and one of our key focuses is on how we can guide people through the process because we understand you know the us is a new market um there is a lot to understand a lot of research that needs to be done before making an investment decision Perfect. and uh with exactly that in mind our focus is on how can we simplify that process for investors mm-hmm. and uh you know we try and do that in multiple ways um but w- with that fundamental idea being that you know people need to get more comfortable and um understand the market so we can help them through that process right right okay something okay, got it uh speaking of the pandemic uh we were hit by covid uh, in india uh, especially around february or march and we went into lockdown in the third week of march and i specifically remember the date uh, I, i guess it was 23rd march uh, 2020 uh, nifty and sensex sensex fell by around 4000 points uh, nifty also fell a lot so uh, people were selling right left left and center so it right. it, it was uh, really a chaos in the indian markets I want to know uh, how did the US react uh, to the covid situation and so what what was the scenario in the US markets so i think to be honest i think the fundamental I call it initial drop in the markets was was global right yeah. you you've seen that in in every place because it, it was an impact to the economy uh, you know businesses were affected and therefore of course prices dropped because i think at yeah. that point in time there was also a lot of uncertainty in terms of what the future would look like yeah. and that uncertainty always gets priced in right at the beginning and right. then as people start getting a better picture of how things are going to shape up there is a recovery yeah. Yeah. on a personal level were you that uncertain because personally i bought a lot uh, during mm-hmm. that time because i knew that once we get the vaccine uh, the situation will calm down a bit and i didn't think it was you know uh, that that big of a thing that uh, i should sell off everything and just exit the market so on a personal level what were, what was your thinking so i actually had a lot uh, some cash lying um, that i accumulated in my a pension account and in my savings account. Okay. Actually end of March beginning April is when I deployed most of that. Okay. Because I saw that as an opportunity. Yeah. I realized that there would be, you know, a a pretty strong recovery because yeah. um you know, like you said right, vac- the vaccine would come. Um uh, businesses would recover or businesses would adapt to online right. business, you know, online models and right. um at that point I actually did end up investing a lot in online businesses so you know in the fintech space and in technology businesses because that personally that was my view at that point in time that you know in a pandemic situation where you know seeing the lockdown in india seeing how the situation would have evolved um that's probably where the, there would be the strongest near term growth in some sense Right, right, and these you know these events uh, we get once in ten years or twelve years. So before this, I think the two thousand eight uh, financial crisis. Now mm-hmm. we had the COVID thing, and now we yeah. don't know when will we get that opportunity. So it's it's very uh, important to make good use of such uh, events as well. Uh, true, true. I I also think it's. you know in the longer term very difficult to either wait for such an opportunity or try and time the market in such a way yeah yeah definitely. and you know from a from a long term investor's perspective right if uh, you know you said you're 22 uh, you know someone like you is actually you're saving for the future right you're saving yeah. for 10 15 20 years down the line um the important thing is not to wait 
for the next two three years to find that right opportunity to buy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Important thing to, is to you need to continue with uh, staggered investing, but absolutely. when you when you get such an opportunity, you should you just go in lump sum if you have the risk appetite. If you have the risk appetite and if you um, are you know sufficiently convinced, um, yeah. I think. You know that that's one of the main things I would say in the past six months, which has been you know quite trending in some sense. You know the entire meme stocks yeah. concept in the U.S., where people are investing in sort of trending and fo- following the herd. Yeah. And I think it's extremely important that people are uh, doing their own research and are making informed investment decisions and not just. Um, you know buying into something because they're reading about it and because it's becoming popular yeah um, right so i think part of, part of behavioral finance in the sense that you shouldn't uh, follow herd mentality absolutely yeah. yes okay so just talking more on the you know what globalize does uh, if you could just take us through the procedural aspect of it uh, for our listeners if they want to you know invest uh, in the us market so first we can begin with uh, is there any minimum amount uh, that you need to invest and uh, i guess you can invest in fractional shares as well right so there is no minimum amount and like you said fractional investing is absolutely possible on the platform yeah. so um, you know investors can start with whatever amount they're comfortable with and okay. uh, you know use that to actually build a diversified portfolio because you know, you can invest even ten dollars in a share of Amazon or Google. Right. To start with. Right. And uh, talking about the pricing, uh, so w- what sort of uh, pricing are we looking at? Sure. So um, uh, we have a a base plan which uh, is uh, there's no subscription charge on that, and okay. uh, there's a very nominal uh, trading fee which is two and a half cents or around two rupees per share. So if you're buying a share of uh, Amazon, which is you know over three thousand dollars, you're still paying two and a half cents on that trade. Okay. Okay. Um, and then along with that, uh, there is of course a premium plan where customers can uh, subscribe uh, to that, and then uh, trading is at no cost. Okay. Okay. Got it. Just taking it back to the minimum uh, amount, I, I went sure. through your website. Uh, you had suggest the website suggests one uh, amount uh, specifically that you know that will help you or that is beneficial in the compounding aspect. So if you could just uh, throw more light on it. Sure. So uh, you know we suggest um, starting between thousand to two thousand dollars because you know thousand dollars is seventy thousand rupees. Yeah. Uh, which is. You know that that actually allows you to build a meaningful portfolio where you start to you you start to see your returns compound over a period of time. Of course, you know from a platform and technology perspective, there is no restriction. You can start yeah. with lower amounts, yeah. but to actually start understanding and building a meaningful portfolio, um, that's that's the recommended uh, okay okay su- suggested amount that people start with. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, then moving ahead to the you know taxation and regulatory uh, points. So right. we have TDS on dividends in India. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we have the short term and recently amended long term capital gains tax as well. So right. just from a taxation point of view, because eventually that will be a cost for the investor. So right. if you could talk more on that. So taxation you know works on the same three principles uh, on you know. TDS on dividends and uh, taxation on capital gains, long term and short term. Okay. So uh, starting with dividends, there is a 25% withholding tax, which is uh, a TDS equivalent uh, okay. levied in the US. Okay. Uh, so any dividends received will be net of that uh, withholding tax. However, the US and India have a double taxation avoidance agreement, yeah. Yeah. which means that any tax paid or any tax withheld in the US is available for credit when filing your Indian tax returns. Right. Right. Okay. On the capital gain side, uh, the threshold for short term and long term is 24 months or two years. So less than that is short term, which you pay at your income tax rate in India. And anything long term is taxed at 20%. Uh, and these taxes are only in India. There are no capital gains tax levied in the U.S. 
right right okay got it uh another important point uh, in this discussion would be the risk aspect uh one we know that there is inherent market risk uh when you are investing in us stocks or indian stocks the second uh, a unique risk according to me would be the forex uh, gain or loss right. so uh, if if today uh, i am investing 1 lakh rupees i basically that would translate into uh, some dollars Uh, mm-hmm. But when I want to take back my money or withdraw my funds, uh, of course the forex rate would be different. So that would right. have an impact on my, you know, uh, overall funds as well. So for sure, take on. So no, that that that's absolutely one element to to take into account. However, if we look at this historically, there has been a rupee depreciation against the dollar on an annual basis. Okay. So. you know if i was to just look at numbers and um if you invested 10 lakhs uh you put it in a rupee based asset or a dollar based asset and assuming both were growing at 10% so there's no difference in returns okay. and this was done in uh on 1st january 2014 on 1st january of this year your um the amount that was kept in rupees would be 9 19.5 lakhs from 10 lakhs Okay. Your amount kept in dollars would be over twenty three lakhs. Okay. And that's purely from the currency benefit of yeah. the rupee depreciation and the dollar appreciation over that time right. period. So if you have the risk appetite, it can be more beneficial. Looking at the historical trends, uh, and even going for forward, if you want to, you know, forecast uh, the dollar to rupee uh, rates. Uh, you would say that it is more beneficial yes there there, there is always that potential of upside from yeah. from this depreciation right right okay uh then moving ahead uh, with regards to derivatives so the mm-hmm. uh, in so like we have futures and options uh, so does globalize also provide that uh, service or those transactions or is it just uh, you know is it, is, is it just the normally a long term investing that we do sure. so um, you know actually derivative trading overseas is prohibited by the rbi for indian okay. residents so okay. therefore you know keeping regulations in mind um, to ensure our investors don't fall on the wrong side of regulations okay. uh, we don't uh, offer that to investors okay okay so uh, if if you just let's just say hypothetically uh, going forward if rbi lifts that restriction would you you know would globalize start that service as well absolutely you know if there if regulations permit and there is um, interest from investors in in terms of trading in those sorts of instruments um, right. absolutely we would uh, you know consider offering that right right okay then moving ahead uh, what would be you know your so the definition of long term has changed for us as right. against uh, the older generation for me long term would be 3 years uh, for my father it's it's 10 years so right. so when things are changing very drastically uh, as each day passes so i won't say 5 years or 10 years 2 or 3 years uh, what's what's the goal or what's the vision for global edge sure so um uh we basically in terms of you know the size of the platform we expect to be managing of uh, around 2 billion dollars of assets on the platform by 2024 okay and that's um, you know that's where we expect to be because you know as you think about the indian markets today we are still in a very nascent stage in terms of overseas investing right right and um, it's interesting you know because having lived in the uk we were you know we understood how in retail investors in the uk behave and they generally hold 30 to 50% of their portfolio overseas up okay. as an outside the uk okay um, and so then you know is actually it because uh, is it because the returns that us uk markets are giving uh, are they not so high is it because of that so i think it definitely could be a factor but i think fundamentally as people in the uk invest 
they actually don't think about geographies. They think about which are the companies we want to buy, which are the sectors we want to hold. Okay. And because you fundamentally have global access, uh, you're not thinking, okay, I want, you know, I, I can only invest in the UK. Therefore, what's the best option in the UK? You're actually thinking, okay, what's, what's the best option? Where do I think I'm the most bullish yeah. on? Right. And therefore, what, that that's where I can invest in. What sort of business I want to own? More than the stock, what sort of business I want to own? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Uh, then talking about, so in India, uh, we have CDSL and NSDL, the depositories. So right. they are the, you know, they are the custodians or the owners of uh, our stocks. So uh, if I'm investing through Globalize in the US uh, securities, uh, right. so who who is the custodian? So, so we, um, there are two custodians we're uh, working with. One is Citibank and the other is Velox Clearing. Uh, so these are the two custodians of all uh, securities held in the account. Okay. And you, you also must be having, uh, another broker which is based in the US, which you have a tie up with. That's right. Our broker partner is Drivewell, who okay. we're working with in the US. Uh, and through them, we're therefore able to offer our customers, uh, U.S. SEC regulated brokerage account that okay. comes along with all of the protections granted to investors in the U.S. market. Right. Uh, then speaking about alternative investments, uh, we have, you know, private equity and uh, hedge funds, real estate. So in right. India, if, if I want to invest in a, you know, say a hedge fund or a private equity, that is, I guess, only available uh, for the high net worth individuals. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I guess Globalize also has products in, in that uh, sector as well or in that asset class. So um, I think there are two aspects to this. One, um, by virtue of building a US dollar-based corpus, which is what Globalize enables investors to do because fundamentally anything you've invested through the platform is held in dollars. And right. even when you sell it, you're still holding the money in dollars. Right. And once you're holding that, in dollars, you then have the ability to spend that and, uh, you know, buy whatever other investments or other things you might want to buy in the U.S. market. Right. So by building a dollar corpus, uh, investors can accumulate money over a period of time and make larger purchases or, right. uh, you know, still have that money to use for uh, other different investments in different asset classes. Okay. Okay. Got it. Uh, for equity, uh, the substitute would be the government bonds, which are the fixed income uh, assets. Uh, right now, uh, the I guess the ten-year uh, GSEC for US bonds is around one point four two percent. But if that rises to two percent, I think it will have a huge impact on the equity market because lots of the lot of the funds will you know, shift to bonds because the risk is also lower and you're getting an incremental rise in the uh, interest rates. So uh, is is that a fear or is that a, you know, hurdle for you that as the, uh, you know, Fed also uh, recently said that if they are willing to, uh, you know, just uh, surcharge the interest rate by 0.25% and it had an impact on the Indian markets as well. So right. what's, what's your whole take on it? So, you know, I, I'm just going to uh, pick on that last point for a second. Um, it, you know, that, that's one of the main reasons why um, we think it's important for Indian investors to diversify into the U.S. markets, because you see that when glo- global changes affect the Indian markets, a U.S. rates change affects the stock markets in India. Yeah. However, any such change in India would never affect the U.S. market. It would still affect the Indian market. Indian markets, yeah. So in that sense, you know, you are protecting yourself against India-specific risk. And uh, also, you know, just from a pure market cap perspective, India is less than 3% of the global market cap. US is over 50%. So again, you know, as fundamental equity market goes, anything that happens in the US will affect other global markets. But that is relatively immune to happenings in other geographies. Yeah, right. Right. So I think that that's you know one <coughs> one point I think is, is is very interesting and relevant to point out from that. Right. I think fundamentally, from an asset class perspective, I wouldn't consider equity and debt substitutes. They okay. um they have very different objectives. If 
someone is looking to preserve capital um they would you know they they would probably invest in debt because you want to preserve your overall capital with reasonable certainty and uh, you know make sure you're matching inflation or your your money is going in some sort right if you're looking for to save for the longer term and build a corpus for retirement or for say a, a large purchase or say sending your kid overseas to study you don't want to just be matching inflation you want to actually be beating that and you want to see your money growing yeah. and that yeah. that growth is only possible in the equity markets that, that that's not available in fixed income now i would say that you know both asset classes are an important part of a portfolio depending on investors objectives and what you know their time horizon and what they're doing these asset classes should be present in different proportions um but i i think you know yes of course rates will increase there will be rate movements and um but i don't see that leading to investors who are still looking to generate um positive long term returns switching into debt to generate those returns from a, from a very basic fundamental level uh, if i have 100 rupees uh, i i get your point that uh, the government bonds uh, will only give you the risk free rate uh, and not the you know added uh, portion that that can beat inflation in the sense but if i have 100 rupees and uh, if i if the interest rate on the bonds increases and bonds have lesser risk than equities then don't you think the inflows so for example in india we have the fis and fpis so right. if the interest rate in us increases uh they there will be a lot of outflows actually and that could be detrimental to the markets as well so so from that perspective what's your view on it so i definitely think rising interest rates will have an impact on the markets from a number of perspectives you know one is like you mentioned potential outflows from equities as people look to reallocate towards debt right i think the second thing is um you know the if you think about uh, a basic uh, valuation methods your risk free rate impacts the valuation of a company and as those rates increase the valuation decreases and a lot of the technology companies are valued on a long term future perspective so you know we saw even in when there was a fear that rates might increase the technology stocks were impacted so right. um i think all of these are elements to keep in mind and different investors will have different perspectives so um i don't think there is a one size fits all approach to this Okay. um i think it really depends based on an investor's perspective and how they see this impacting the markets right right uh so in india we we have a small case which is uh, you know governed by zero da uh, right. similarly you have i think globes so if, if you can just uh, tell us more about globes absolutely so globes are curated baskets of stocks and etfs that help investors uh, buy into a specific theme or save towards a specific goal with a single click okay okay and the idea you know like i mentioned at the outset was to help guide investors through the process and simplify their investment decisions and this is a product uh, that that's our aim uh, to allow investors who believe in technology to invest in the technology globe or mm-hmm. investors who uh, you know want to invest in future innovation to invest in the future innovation globe without having to do the research etc themselves and leaving the research to the experts at globalize okay. so we you know we have our investment research team who is constantly you know building out these portfolios doing the research rebalancing and monitoring them on an ongoing basis right. um so you know investors can sort of leave that to right. us and uh, just you know focus on say the broad thesis what they believe in or identifying the goal that they're saving for and right. invest in that particular globe right so it it really simplifies the process and uh, if 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 any of our listeners if you are a beginner uh, so the, the globes can really you know help you into uh, identifying your goals and then uh, similarly investing in those companies that the basket offers 
so you you touched upon uh, index funds uh, i am a big fan of index funds and etfs uh, right. i i believe that they have been historically they've given a, a good uh, in india at least 14 to 16% uh, cagr they have given uh, but still i don't think uh, you know many many people invest in etfs and as against they go for an active mutual fund i i don't get the logic behind this uh, personally what's your take so do you like uh, passive mutual funds more than active or is it the other way around so i think one thing is interesting as i've been speaking to customers uh, on the globalized platform and customers in india a level of understanding to be brought that what is an etf actually and that an etf is in in essence quite similar to a passive mutual fund yeah but available at a much lower cost right uh and i think it's you know what your objective is and what funds are available on that basis if you know as an investor you want to basically match market returns there's no substitute for an index fund you yeah. can invest in say the qqq which is a nasdaq tracker or the spy which is an s&p 500 tracker right. and at a very nominal cost of 0.07% a year which is yeah. charged by the fund the expense uh, ratio is very less as against an active mutual fund exactly exactly so you know it, it allows very low cost tracking of the index and making sure that you know your returns are tracking the market in that sense right um, okay. active funds come into play when you're looking into more niche themes where you want an expert to either you know to curate that fund and and then be able to follow that right. um but i i think i think um index funds and uh, sort of etfs in general are a, a very valuable tool in an investor's portfolio to build exposure at a very low cost right. and a diversified exposure in that sense because uh you know as a as an index tracker it basically holds the entire index right. so you get very diversified exposure through that single instrument so so with globalize uh, you are pitching for the us market uh, so if if i have to pose a question that uh, in the next 5 to 10 years uh, we have these uh, growth oriented indian companies and then we have the us companies as well how you how what sort of pitching uh, you know would you do for the us companies as against the uh, you know highly growth oriented indian companies so again i think it's it's not necessarily either or and um, you know we don't think investors should sort of put a 100% in the us markets and that's not what we think investors are really going to do yeah i right. think this is as part of a holistic portfolio you know like i said 20% moving overseas so that you can ensure that diversification of the yeah. remaining 80% which is in india you can of course you know yeah. still invest in the high growth indian technology companies right and then yeah. when you're investing in the us or potentially the global markets which you actually can do through globalize um okay. build whatever expo- uh, you know the desired exposure right 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 okay. uh, i i believe that the next 4 to 5 years especially for the indian markets i think will be a good bull run and i guess sensex is around 50000 52000 right now and it in the next 10 years we can you know even touch 2 lakh uh, for sensex so uh, in the next 5 years to 10 years uh, what sort of industries do you think uh, will grow at grow at a very high rate uh, any 3 or 4 if you can name uh, in in india and on a global level as well right so i think historically if we look at which sectors and industries have grown uh and grown well these are always the sectors that are innovating and um that are bringing new products that allow them to grow revenues by bringing new products to the market grab a larger market share or enter new markets and uh you know significantly penetrate those markets right. so you know i think that that's the fundamental underlying aspect to whichever sector you expect the share price to perform in line with the company's performance yeah oh, especially over a longer term you know 5 right. to 10 year horizon um i think you know there are <laughs> a lot of 
there, you know, like I mentioned, there's a lot of innovation happening in certain sectors in the US. Um, of course, you know, technology as, as a broad basis. But, uh, you know, if we think about, uh, say, our future innovation globe that we've created that actually focuses on seven themes uh, that we think are going to, you know, drive future adaptation and innovation. Okay. Um, so, for example, there is fintech. Um, yeah. There is cloud computing. It is. Artificial intelligence and robotics. Uh, millennials as a theme because there are a lot of products and you know that are being designed for the millennial generation and as we look at India the millennial generation is the largest part of the population uh, similarly you know in the global market these are becoming the largest consumers of you know, as a percentage of the population right. um, so that as a theme so I think you know these sort of innovative themes that are going to build new products and uh, deliver new products to the markets for consumers are yeah. well right. positioned uh, for the future. Yeah. So basically the cores and fundamentals of a business that you need to uh, innovate with time and uh, you, need, you need to have a pulse on what the consumer wants and what the environment needs, what the market, uh, you know, what what suits the market as uh, that will help in the long run. That's right. I think, and you know, companies are, um, even your, you know, traditional companies are, you know, following the same process, right? You think about electric vehicles as a space. Yeah. It, it started with Tesla, right? They were pure yeah. electric vehicle manufacturer. Right. Um, you look at your traditional manufacturers in the US now, uh, Ford has come out with an electric truck, uh, an electric vehicle. They, plan to uh, electrify a significant percentage of their on-road vehicles over the next 5 to 10 years. You think about luxury sports cars, right? Ferrari, which is also listed on the in the US markets. They've announced that they plan to launch fully electric supercar by 2025. You know, all of these companies are constantly looking to innovate and understand what con- customers are looking for. And electrification of vehicles has been an emerging trend for the last five five years or so. Yeah. As right. customers, you know, the environment is becoming more of a concern. People are looking right. to be more cognizant right. of the decisions they take. Right. Um, and, you know, of course, we uh, also have those uh, ECG parameters these days through which people look at companies to invest. Right, right, right. So, you know, that's another portfolio that we do plan to offer soon, an ESG-based portfolio on the platform. Mm-hmm. Right. Where uh, investors can invest in environmentally, socially friendly companies. Uh, so currently, Globalize uh, is a platform for us to invest in the U.S. companies. Uh, going forward, uh, are you going to you know uh, grow or are you going to expand to other markets as well? So, for example, uh, India, Brazil, China. These would come in the these these would come in the you know. Uh, the growing markets as such. So, if someone from a say UK, uh, if they want to invest in India or mm-hmm. or vice versa, so are you looking to you know expand into other markets as well as a platform? So, you mean as a platform offering our services in different markets or yeah. enabling yeah. investors to invest in different markets? Uh, enabling investors to uh, you know invest in different markets. So, um, I think the interesting thing about the US markets is. Firstly, a lot of international companies also list on the U.S. exchanges. So you yeah. mentioned Infosys at the beginning. A uh, few Indian companies are also you know, dual listed. HDFC Bank, ICICI Bank are also listed right. on the U.S. exchange. Right. Right. Similarly, a lot of large global companies are listed on the U.S. markets or U.S. exchanges as well. So you know, you think about COVID and the vaccine. AstraZeneca is listed in the U.S. market. Right. Uh, you know, Toyota, one of the largest car manufacturers listed on the US market. Right. Um, so there are a number of companies you can directly invest in with, okay. by, by virtue of being able to invest on a US exchange. Right. Um, and the other thing is also there are a lot of specific geographical ETFs available on the US market. Okay. So, you know, if you want to invest in BRIC, Brazil, Russia, India, China, there are BRIC focused ETFs. To which oh. you can build that exposure. Yeah, right. There is, you know, European ETFs, Asian Pacific ETFs. You know, we had a client interested in investing in Vietnam in particular. 
Okay. And we had a Vietnam focused ETF available. Okay. So in that sense, you know, it, it really customers can build a ge- geographically diversified okay. portfolio right. uh, through Globalize. Right. So right now we have that option that you can, uh, you know, globally invest as well, apart from the US markets. Then talking about cryptocurrencies, uh, you know, this is the talk of the town these days. Right. Uh, uh, I am personally invested in Ethereum, not much, just the okay. 5,000 Ahena. Uh, but so what's your view on it? And so are you keen uh, on the idea or there is also a group of people who don't, uh, you know, understand the concept or uh, because, because the concept, it is, uh, it is at the backbone of blockchain technology. But now there are so many coins that it really defies the logic of a cryptocurrency. So is it an asset or is it a currency? Overall, what's your view on it? So I think blockchain as a technology is very, very interesting and very exciting. There are a lot of applications of blockchain technology uh, across multiple sectors. And I think that therefore has a very interesting potential. Cryptocurrency in particular and, uh, you know, these coins being used as currency, I think uh, there is, of course, a lot of talk about it. And there is, uh, the couple of countries in South America have actually legalized yeah. Bitcoin as, yeah. as legal tender, right. which is which is interesting. Um, I think the fundamental, one fundamental aspect of every currency is that there is a central governing body. You right. think about, you know, uh, any currency today, there is a central bank that monitors the currency, monitors the right. supply and demand of it because otherwise right. you can lose right. control and yeah, right. people can create currency themselves. Yeah. Then what value does the currency really hold? I think it's right. different, very difficult to yeah. beg that. Crypto being used as a currency, I think still some, some questions that need to be answered right. and right. some, you know, structure needs to be put into place for that right. to be, um, possible. Um, Digital currencies, however, are very, uh, you know, are interesting in the way that they might evolve. And, you know, this uh, central bank in England has been exploring a digital currency and the possibility of enabling something like that. Yeah, we are also doing the same. Uh, Our finance ministry and RBI, I think uh, they are in talk since one or two years. uh, If they can, you know, uh, start a digital currency. Exactly. So, and I think, you know, whatever digital currency comes about will be based on blockchain technology. Yeah, right. Which is, you know, going back to the point that blockchain as a fundamental technology is very interesting. And I think that's one of the beauties of the US market, which is uh, investors are actually able to pick up a lot of these innovative themes and emerging themes and invest in them in a very simple way. So, you know, talking about blockchain technology, there are uh, blockchain ETFs available that allow you to build broad-based exposure to blockchain as a technology. Oh, yeah, that's nice. And, um, you know, even uh, for cryptocurrency, there are um, a couple of cryptocurrency ETFs that uh, are, have basically are planned to be launched. Uh, They are waiting for approval with the SEC. And once those do get launched, investors can invest in cryptocurrency through an exchange-traded product and therefore build a diversified basket of cryptocurrency like you can a diversified basket of stocks without having to, you know, build, uh, kind of buy each of the currencies individually. So, you know, in that sense, there are a lot of exciting investing avenues opening up for these uh, spaces as well. Yeah. And, you know, Canada already has, um, I think, two or three cryptocurrency-based exchange-traded products. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are coming up in the U.S. as well. Right. It's it's fascinating because as each day passes, uh, we have different uh, investment avenues. And right. uh, with new different uh, investment avenues, you have another chance of diversifying uh, your portfolio. So if, if right. we think crypto as an asset class, uh, it is, again, a mode for, you know, portfolio diversification right okay uh yeah i think it was a great uh discussion before uh, before concluding uh globalize sort of was a startup for you in, in the end of 2019 uh 2020 starting uh right. we have in india the you know the startup uh, mechanism uh, is really growing and we have many who are, who are on you know who have good ideas but they are just hesitating into execution or just starting because again the risk factor. 
so what would be your advice to someone who wants to start up who has a good idea uh, what would be your advice to them so um it's it's interesting because you know i i sort of went through the same um process personally um because you know as part of deutsche bank i was um i was part of the fintech investment banking team so i was you know exposed to a lot of the fintech companies which for me was very exciting and actually that's what drove my personal interest in terms of building something in the fintech space and i had been wanting to do that for some period of time okay um but i made sure that there was a reasonable understanding of the market in terms of the the demand for the product you know speaking with potential customers with potential partners in terms of how we will actually dis- say distribute the product and also building some level of understanding in terms of how the product can be built once i had enough comfort that i understand how this can be built how this will work and the fact that there is a need in the market but customers once they know that this is possible actually excited and looking forward to it right. uh, that sort of was the puzzle fitting together for me to decide to quit my job and right. focus on globalized full time so did you start planning about globalize or not globalize or just the product whilst you were at toysha there must be some ideas lingering at that time as well yeah absolutely you know this the process start the thinking process actually started uh, a while before i actually made the decision to right to quit because you know you have to let that idea mature to some degree and mm-hmm. you have to actually explore different aspects and even in that phase you know the idea evolves as you get right. a better understanding and as that evolves and you it takes shape in terms of what the product will actually look like that's right. when you know that right. that's when i made the decision to step out right right yes uh, great discussion viraj uh, what what sort of overall take on the you know podcast that we had and any you know concluding comments or any concluding so no ashutosh it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you i've been listening to your podcast and um uh, quite enjoy listening to it i think it's very interesting insightful uh, content very in- interesting questions that you're asking uh, you know across many different perspectives i will continue listening to these uh, going forward as well and you know, uh, thank you for having me here today and uh, it was a real pleasure speaking with you yes thank you for you know taking out the time and uh, doing this i think our listeners uh, will have a lot of value addition and they'll spread the word and you know this could be the start of uh, a lot of for investors uh, geographically diversifying their portfolio uh, because I, i i can see that it is the current and it is also the future as well so yes thank you for you know taking out the time and uh, what we are doing and in in a sense what you are also doing uh, you know spreading more awareness about finance and investments and uh, I, we would love to have you again sometime soon on this podcast and uh, yes thank you for taking out the time thanks ashutosh take care yes thank you for tuning into this episode of stocks and the rocks if you're listening to this on spotify please press the follow button so that you know when we upload we also have our own instagram page link to the same is down in the description box please share this podcast with your friends and family see you on the next one